New Testament reading, let us turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. That's not in your bulletin, but you'll find that in the Pew Bible on page 1008. 1008. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. Hebrews 11, beginning with the 23rd verse, going to the 31st verse. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's eating. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ, greater wealth, than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking for the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea, as if on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she gave a friendly welcome to the spies. So it is the reading of God's word in the New Testament, his holy and inspired word. Let us take our Bibles and let us turn to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua, the second chapter. Which you'll find on page 178, close to 179. And let us hear God's inspired word. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go and view the land, especially Jericho. And they went, and they came into the house of a prostitute, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of the Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men that have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them. 
and on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords. And the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So ends the reading of God's holy word. You know, last week uh, we covered the whole subject of uh, them getting ready to come into the land. And we learned from there that, that although Israel was called to physically go in and conquer the land of Israel, our warfare that we have is a spiritual battle. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have a divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. And so in this passage, however, what we're going to learn in this spying out of the land, we're called to be like Joshua, working for his kingdom, while at the same time trusting his providence. In this section of Joshua, we'll see the prudence of Joshua, we'll see the providence of God, and we'll see the piety of Rahab. The prudence of Joshua, Joshua himself, if you remember, was a spy. We learn in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. And in that particular passage, what we have is that everybody knew who was going over there. It was kind of a public knowledge. So Joshua went into the land the first time, and they spied it out. And Joshua and Caleb both came back with a positive report. But the other ten spies discouraged the people, and they did not go into the land. But here what you have is Joshua taking a different path. You have him secretly sending two spies, and they would go into the land, and they would come back and report to him directly. You know, Joshua was not able to go into, personally, and to seek out the land. He must seek through other people's eyes and ears. And so when we look at that, we kind of ask, well, how does this apply to us and to the church? I think it's kind of obvious there. Is that when we go to search out or to figure out stuff, we oftentimes work through committees. We're constantly looking for new ways to reach the laws and establish the churches. We're praying and asking God for wisdom. Just like Joshua does, he was looking for wisdom. How do you go out and view out the land? It's perishingly Jericho. And so if we want to go and establish a church or establish something, we go and we, we check out the, what's going on in the city, what's going on in the area. And so we take a principle from this that a reformed church government oftentimes operates through committees. Not everybody goes. Those people go and they report upon what's going on and things like that. They operate as representatives like spies. 
The congregation uh, operates kind of like, or uh, the consistory operates kind of like a, a, a committee of the congregation. And they, and they search out and figure out, well, what do we need to do as a congregation? We try to figure out these things, and so we're, we're representing the congregation, seeking to lead that congregation in the ways of the Lord. You know, we, we do a lot of things uh, as a congregation through the consistory. But the bigger issues, like the building of a church, is first discussed by the leadership and then brought to the congregation. The monthly oversight of the church falls upon the consistory as, as a representative of the congregation. The principle of this representative government type of thing is also even when we go to classes, we select an elder and, a, and, and one of the, and the pastors to go to the, to the classes to represent that church before the, before the classes. And then even with synod also, the same thing is done. And even when it comes to the planning of churches, what we have is that we have a committee that's assigned both to the classes and to the, to the uh, synod, that they go and they search out these things and they check upon what the progress of this plant is going on. Joshua sent in spies to see how to advance the kingdom of God in his day. And so we send out representatives to see how the kingdom of God can be established in our day. And because this representative government through that we have has so influenced the church, it also influenced our, even our own government so that our government operates their committees and their and they're dealing oftentimes reflecting what is done in, in a reformed church government. Because our government is not a pure democracy, nor is it ruled by one man who is like a dictator, but is ruled as a kind of like a republic. And so we've considered then the, the prudence of Joshua. He sends out spies. So let us remember that we need to advance the kingdom of God, but we also need to remember that it needs to be done through the providence of God. We may plan. We may figure out what we want to try to accomplish, but ultimately it comes back to the providence of God. Because when you look at this next passage, what you have is that you have these men went out and they came to a house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Why did they go there? Well, because she ran an inn. She took care of people that were traveling and things like that. We're reminded of the Proverbs that a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And in Proverbs chapter 16, we're told in verse 33 that the lot, is the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And so these men, no doubt, when they went out, they prayed and asked God for wisdom. But what was the odds of them actually coming to somebody in Jericho, in a form of people, that would be favorable to them? What would be the odds of that? But yet it, it was 100% you look at it from God's perspective. But for man, well, you know, it just kind of worked out that way. But we know that they were not just lucky 
that God was sovereignly guiding them because He did not take away their free agency. He basically allowed them to make decisions, but God ultimately guided in the whole affair. Matthew Henry states it this way. He says, The providence of God was directing those spies to the house of Rahab. How they got over the Jordan, we don't even know. But they got into Jericho, and it was about seven or eight miles from the river. They sought a convenient inn and were directed to the house of Rahab. <coughs> this woman had formerly been of ill fame. A reproach that stuck to her all her life, even into the New Testament. But of late, she had repented and reformed. You know, Rahab's name means proud. Kind of fitted with her whole endeavor of life. And yet now she had come as a converted sinner, as one who had repented and no longer relied upon proudness, but followed the Lord. You know, she's called Rahab the harlot, but even in the New Testament... Both her faith and her good works are praised by not only James, but also by the Apostle Paul. And we need to remember that the greatness of our sin is no bar to the pardoning mercy of God. No matter what you've done in this life, God can forgive your sins. We read of publicans and harlots entering the kingdom of God or entering the kingdom of the Messiah. In Matthew 21 and 30, verse 31, it says, Truly I tell you, tax collectors and prostitutes will go into the kingdom of God before you. It doesn't matter what you've done in life, God can forgive you. God can forgive you of your sins and bring you into faith. There may be many who are wicked, but be you know, they were very wicked before their conversion, but they came to faith in Christ. I remember a friend of mine, Tony. He had grown up as a drug addict, and he was uh, living on the streets in Lincoln. In fact, he spent his night, you know, in wintertime in the bathroom of a, of a laundromat because he didn't have any place else to stay. And yet God converted him through the preaching of the gospel and he came to faith. And he came and he was a bold man for God. And so he called people to live and to seek him. And even, on, and even as he was dying in a hospital, he was telling nurses about God. Because God had changed his life. And just like God had changed Rahab, we hear about her again and again. We may know about her sin, but we know that God had worked in her life and brought her to faith and transformed her. All these tried, all these spies needed was one friend, and they met that well-wisher in Jericho, Rahab a harlot. You know, had these scouts gone to any other house, they may not have been received very kindly. But God in His mercy directed them. And so also as we're going forth and planting churches, 
We don't know exactly, exactly how it's going to turn out. You know, we started up there in Omaha, and it started working good, and then all of a sudden, the three families that we were working with, they left, and the pastor left. And yet, God brought three more, and through the standing for faith and standing for a conviction that we need the church up in Omaha, now we're close to having one completely formed. You see, we go forward to establish churches and we don't know exactly if it's going to work, but we go in faith and we go trusting God that He's called us to go forth and to bring the faith of the Gospel to all people. And yet you see in here, you see the piety of Rahab. You know, Rahab, uh, she kept a public house and, you know, she entertained all kinds of people coming. But these spies, she treated with a little bit better than just common civility. For by faith, she received him. So the king of the country had denounced the war and everything else, but she came and she welcomed these spies. And they lodged with her. You both knew where they'd come from and what their business was, we know. The men had come to spy out the land to see the, the walls and, and how the city was built, but also to see the attitude of the people. Because that influences whether you're going to win a war or not. You know, Russia thought they'd just go in and blow over Ukraine, and, but the attitude of the people were different. So here you have that the attitude that they're willing to fight the Israelites, but yet they are scared. And we'll read more and go through more of that next Sunday. Because those who are in power want to remain power. So the king has said, bring out those men. Bring them out. We want to take care of them before they even get back. And yet, what did Rahab do? She took him up and hit him in the flat. Now, you may not know what flax is used for. Flax is a plant, and it has a beautiful blue flower. And so what, and you can actually buy flax in the stores, and you can plant it, and it'll come up and grow. But what they would do is they would take up this flax, and they would pull it up by the roots, and they would lay it down and dry it out, and as it dried out, they could take a wheel and they would basically crush it, or they would use a bar. You can see some of this on, on YouTube. And what they would do is they'd get long strings out of it and they'd make cloth out of it. Your money that you carry in your wallet is partially flax. It's partly made of linen. And that's where the flax, that's what flax makes. It makes linen. And so they took this linen and they uh, was able to make cloth with it. So you see Rahab here, she wasn't just merely a harlot, she was also working. She also did work, other types of jobs besides that. She was like a woman in, in a Proverbs that works with flax and wool. And yet both Paul and James cite Rahab the harlot as being an example of a person walking by faith. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And then in James chapter 2, verse 25, 
In 26 it says, In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is death. You see, both of them quote the same person. James is focusing on what? He's focusing on the quality of the faith. What kind of faith was it? Was it true faith? And the true faith showed by the works that were done. It wasn't just this dead faith that they believed something in, and it didn't change their life. No, it was something that changed their life. But the Apostle Paul is concerned about your faith in your works. In other words, oftentimes what people do is that they start looking at, oh God, I'm living a godly life and everything else. I must be saved. They're looking at their works rather than Christ. You have to look at Christ to be saved. You cannot be saved by keeping the law of God yourself. You have to have faith in Christ and Christ alone. And so both James and, and Peter were dealing, or James and Paul were dealing with the same person but the different issues. One was dealing with the quality of faith. The other one is your faith in Christ. Rather than in your works. <clears throat> Again, I'm going to deal with the next issue. Did Rahab lie? It wasn't right. You see, that's the issue that oftentimes we are faced with. Because it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, there are six things the Lord hates, and seven are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, that's being proud. A lying tongue. Well, Rahab. Hands that shed innocent blood. That sounds like the guys that want to kill the guys that are spies. A heart that devised wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among brethren. Can you imagine the discord would happen if those spies had not come back? You see, there is a, sometimes as we live in the Christian life, we have difficulties that we can't know what is the right path always to take. But we need to observe what the Westminster Larger Catechism says, how we apply God's law to our life. Westminster, the Larger Catechism, you'll find that, actually the one that I'm quoting is found in your bulletin because it's not in the hymnal. The larger catechism, number 99, it says, What rules are to be observed for the right understanding of the Ten Commandments? The right understanding of the Ten Commandments, these rules are to be observed. And it gives ten, and I only give you five in your bulletin. But it's the rule number five that I was going to go to. It says, That which God forbids at no time is to be done. What he commands is always our duty. Yet every particular duty is not to be done at all times. And they cite in that, they cite Matthew chapter 12, verses 7 through 8, where it says, If you had known what this means, that I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless for the son of the Lord. 
for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so you see it's pointing here that yeah, they should have been keeping the Sabbath, but God desired mercy more than anything else. It was merciful for Rahab to lie. She would have told the truth there and would have caused even a greater thing. But we need to look at this question another way, and I think that you need to remember this. That no matter what you and I do, our works are never perfect, are they? Rahab's best work that she did was tainted with sin, and we can point it out that she lied. And yet, even her best work had to be covered under the blood of Christ. And that's the same way it is with us. Even the best things that we do for God have to be covered with the blood of Christ. You see, even your works are done out of thankfulness, but they still fall under the blood of Christ. You need your sin paid for. God expects us to be perfect, but in this world it is impossible to be perfect because of the sinfulness of man and where we live. And yet a living faith, a faith that truly serves God, says, I'll do my best, God, and I'll figure out what the least thing, or the, the, the least damnable thing there is. You know, oftentimes that's what we're left for when we go to vote. Which one will cause the most damage? And which one won't? That's kind of what we're left with, and we have to make a decision. And so also here, we have to make decisions in life. As it says in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day number 24, cannot our good works be a whole or part of our righteousness before God? Why cannot our good works be the whole or part of our righteousness before God? Because the righteousness which can stand before the judgment seat of God must be perfect and wholly conformable to the divine law. But even our best works in this life are all imperfect and defiled with sin. You see, this is a prime example when you're teaching kids the catechism that you look at Rahab. She had lied, but yet God still praised her. And God still loved her to call her into the kingdom. And God gave her faith. Next week we're going to be looking a little bit more at true faith in Rahab. Because true faith is knowledge, assent, and trust. It's that, that acronym K-A-T. And we're going to look at Rahab's faith. And we're going to ask a little bit more about how that applies to us. But Rahab's best work was hiding the spies, and yet sin was present. So I ask you, you know, let us not be like the person who comes to this beautiful dinner that was prepared. You know, this lady, she liked this guy, and she came and she cleaned the house. And she made this wonderful meal. And the guy came over, and, he, and she talked about all this stuff, and he goes up and he rubs his hand on top of the refrigerator. Well, it's dust there. You see? So let's not be like that person. Let us look at Rahab's faith. And let us rejoice that God is good a work even in your life and mine. Let's not look at our sins, but let's look to Christ that He has redeemed us from all our sin. Let us be like Joshua, seeking to spy out the land, to bring the truth of the gospel not only in our life, but in the life of the world, trusting His providence. 
and believing with faith that we will glorify God by being in known. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Father, we are so thankful to you that you're a God who calls us to follow you even in spite of our sins, even in spite of the best work that we could ever do. And yet you cleanse them through the blood of Christ. So Lord, we ask that you, and if there's those here who have not believed, that you would encourage their hearts and, and give them faith as they hear the message of the gospel. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.